Welcome, everybody, to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And we got a lot to do tonight. We're going to catch up on week four, the week that was, and what a week it was in the NFL. I don't know if it's quite like week three. Week three was just extraordinary, but the game Sunday night, Bucks, Pats, man, that was fun. So we're going to live week four uh, in the next segment. We're also going to hear from the General John McClain. But we're going to kick off the show with a segment. Brought to you by Mattress Firm, the official retailer, mattress retailer of the Houston Texans. Call it Educate and Evaluate. And when Mark, Andre, and myself get on the mic, we'd like to feel that we do that. Talking a little ball, a little NFL, and a little college, and having a little fun doing it. Here you go, Andre Ware with me and Mark. Here we go. Mac Jones looking a lot better, Dre. This is going to be tough on Sunday. Yeah, it will, because he's starting to operate the offense with a lot of confidence and uh you know, he, the kid looked sharp last night. I mean, going getting through progressions, you know, you could clearly see that he's been coached up well, that he's, you know, uh, a quick quick study to have picked up a lot. The most uh, – more the com- more complicated things within the offense. He's checking at the line of scrimmage. He seems to be more comfortable when they go two minutes, something that, you know, we were discussing during the game uh, yesterday with Davis Mills. Sometimes you just got to simplify it. Let the kid get to the line of scrimmage and run plays. You become the attacker, and that's what uh, that's what Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniel did yesterday for uh, for Zach for Mac Jones, and and he looked good. That, that was a that was a great game. Dre, if you were Tim Kelly and you had offensive meetings today, and you walked in and you've got all of these guys looking at you to get ready for this New England game. What would be what? What would you say to them? What's what does this these offensive players need to hear? What do they need to hear? What do they need to do to go out on a field Sunday and compete against a really good defense like the Patriots have and go get a win over New England? Well, you know, you explain that it's the NFL. You know, the coaches really. I don't know that you need extra motivation to to uh, to up your game. I mean, because that's that's your job. That's what you're paid to do. But you know, his job is to put together the best game plan and put players in a position where uh, they can most succeed. And so they've got to figure out a way to to run the football consistently. Otherwise, they're going to continue to see seven and eight man fronts or guys in the box and coming after the quarterback until they can solve that. And, and uh, Brandon cooks seems to be a receiver on the outside that has beaten blitz coverage has gotten behind the secondary. Uh, I told you yesterday that Leslie Frazier wasn't going to let that happen because, you know, you're playing a veteran uh, defensive coordinator facing a rookie quarterback and, and they kind of knew they shaded cooks side. He, he had some plays within the game, but he never really was able to get deep. So that that message would be, hey, uh, let's throw out what happened yesterday. Let's get back to work and, uh, and and start to install the game plan. Well, let me just go simple here. In in my layman's voice here, why can't you throw to the backs a little bit or the tight ends and some short oh, you routes can. and things like that? You just got to do it. You can. You, you can. Yesterday there were a couple of occasions. David Johnson was wide open. And, you know, instead of – just on a bootleg, instead of just taking the first uh, sign of your own color, uh, Davis looks back inside for the second crosser when the safe throw, the easy throw, the throw he should have made was to the flat to David Johnson. And so when when you do that, you start to complicate things for yourself because now you're trying to personally you know, will your team back into a game. 
And, and instead of it's one play at a time mentality, one score at a time, and let's eventually get our, ourselves back in the game. Because I guarantee you, if they'd have put up some points early, the defense, the way they played early on in that ball game, it, it would have been a maybe not a different outcome, but certainly a better and closer football game. Dre, defensively, I wasn't exactly sure. I mean, you look up and you gave up 40 points. But they scored 21 in the fourth quarter when, at that point, the dam had broken because they'd been on the field for so long. Where do you where do you think that defense stands? How do you, how do you think that defense feels today? Because it felt like after the game, Coach Cully was pretty proud of what the defense had done, kind of holding up for a long, long time until, obviously, the dam broke in the fourth quarter. How did you feel after the game about what the defense ended up doing yesterday? Yeah, early on, you have to be encouraged with the effort of the defense. Um and the way they played, points were low. I know Buffalo blew a couple of scoring opportunities, but that was because of the play of how, how what the what the Texans were doing on defense. Um, but over time, when you get deep into a second half and and you're out there over and over and over, and then you know you come off the field and two plays later there's an interception, you're right back on. Sooner or later, it's going to start to show itself, and that's that's what he's what he's talking about is that the. When that when there the game was close, they were playing well enough. They were playing winning football, but weren't being rewarded. And so over over the course of sixty minutes, that starts to wear on a defense when you're out there both physically and mentally, and uh, you wind up giving up forty. What can Davis do if you're Davis Mills and you're just talking to Davis here, Andre? What can he do this week to try to get his confidence up and? You know, I know they're going to practice. They'll probably be in pads one day at least. What can he do? What approach should he take? Uh, him personally is to, to to look at the mistakes and where could I have gone with the ball that so that I don't make the mistakes. Where are the easy throws? Where's the where are the things that I didn't see in live action that I can recognize, dissect, so the next time I see it, I know exactly where I'm going with the football. Um, it, it, he just didn't get off to a good start. And then figure out a way or, or communicate a way to Tim Kelly that, hey, these are the things that get me going early in a game, uh, this kind of throw, or I need to pull it down and run it early uh, to, to get me settled in the game where I feel like now nah, I'm in a football game. So uh, those, those are the things, if I were in his seat, I'd be working on to try to fix that throw I described to uh, – out in the flat to the running back, mm-hmm. those are things that will certainly help his confidence as you start to mount completions early on in a game. Dre, I asked this of John McClain, too. I'll be a little nicer this time. What do you think the recent future – what do you think the recent future and the – well, I know what the faraway future is going to be for Ben Roethlisberger, but what do you think happens with Ben Roethlisberger and – when do you think somebody else gets another opportunity there in Pittsburgh? Well, they've got two that are, you know, that they obviously like Mason Rudolph because he's, he's there. He's the yep. backup. Um, and then Dwayne Haskett, I think is there as well mm-hmm. as the third guy that they, they, uh, they picked up once the, the Washington football team released him. So they're, they're guys that they've, you know, that they've invested in highly uh, that are in the building. Is it time for Ben yet? I don't know because there have been situations in his past, almost like Brady, that you write him off and then all of a sudden they go on a six, seven game winning streak and, and everybody's quiet and everybody's back to being happy in Pittsburgh. They've had some injuries there. 
but I, you know, I just, I was thinking about that last night, wherever Matt Canada is kind of gone, uh, his offense can be complicated enough just so it doesn't get itself out the gate. And that might be what they're experiencing as well, because that's, the, that's a new offensive coordinator for Ben. That takes a little while to, to learn the terminology and the motions and a bunch of shifts and things of that sort. And so you got to get to a level where you're just playing comfortable within the offense. And that might take a couple of weeks. Andre Ware joining us on Texans Monday, presented by Houston Methodist. Dre, you're only a game out of first in the division. There, I said yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Somebody thank, thank had the to Jets for that one. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Uh, but it, it looks like these rookies are coming around now. I know Mills didn't have the, the day he wanted, but I looked at Trevor Lawrence on Thursday, played much better. Zach Wilson won yesterday. Mac Jones looked pretty good in the rain against the Buccaneers in a high-pressure game. Uh, Fields won for Chicago yesterday. Trey Lance, all right, but he came off the bench. Garoppolo hurt out for a little bit. What do you make of the rookies? Well, they're coming around. I mean, you're four games in. You're starting to figure out the speed of the game. You get to see it in, in some of them's cases from the sideline and there are some that are directly in it. And I think after, you know, four games of the season, the game starts to, you hear the old adage, it starts to slow down for you a little bit. It does. Mm-hmm. because And slowing down means – that you know where to go based on what you're seeing from a defense. You you started to see enough now where you know how to react instead of every play being new against this look and that look. So they're starting to face some things, learning how to study and how to prepare for NFL defenses within the game plan during the week. That certainly helps because a lot of them, it's been different from when they how they learned it in college. So it doesn't surprise me that all of a sudden, you know, here we are in week four, and guys are starting to really play a little bit better. Justin Fields looked like a totally different player yesterday. I know he didn't throw a touchdown pass, but, boy, was he playing with uh, a lot of confidence. And then, of course, Zach Wilson, he uh, he's going to come around as the players around him in New York get better. But as as an overall group, I thought yesterday was, was obviously their best week. Okay, this question is for both of you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I know the answer to it, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Dre, I'll start with you. Will there be another Brady and Belichick? Hmm. Guys that have been together for two decades, win that many championships. No. no. Will there be another no. one? No. Now, yeah, Brady came along, Johnny, when uh, he's willing to take less money. Yeah. He's willing to sacrifice for the team. That athlete doesn't exist anymore. I mean, they're few and far between. They're, they're, I'm dead <laughs> serious, right. guys. Yeah, I'm dead I'm with, serious. I'm with you on that. I, that, that, was that, my that, athlete, that athlete doesn't exist anymore. So it's going to become, I need to get paid. I need to do this. I need more influence here. I, that athlete is the, the Tom Brady's that are going to sacrifice for the team and take less money over a significant amount of time. That's gone. The coaches, like Belichick, will still be in place. But the player is they're different. When you have high school kids leaving to go leaving and skipping their senior year to go to Ohio State so that they can sign an NIL deal to to start to make money on on their name, image, and likeness, that's the kind of player that's coming down the pipe. And so no, a definite no to your answer for the for your answer. Yeah. Plus Brady physically to last that long. You've yeah. All seen, if you divide his career in two, it's still two Hall of Fame careers. 
if you divide his career in two, it's still maybe two of the greatest quarterback ever careers. If you divide his career in three, it's three Hall of Fame careers. That's how good Brady is. And you just can't expect somebody like that to come along. Plus, he came from out of nowhere. You know, he came from out of nowhere. Sixth-round draft choice. Everybody knows Michigan's a big-time school. But this was not expected. And you have this with one of the greatest coaches ever. And, look, he really is. I know he'd probably love to win a championship without Brady just to solidify that even more, but that's what it is. And, and to you know, you have to throw in the fact that he's a team guy, and he realizes that none of that would have happened, or at least a a good portion of it wouldn't have happened. might have happened for a little while, and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, if you're you're demanding top salary – then you have to you have to sacrifice somewhere. Are you gonna you get paid? You're gonna have less a lesser team. Well, you sacrifice a little bit, and the team around you is better. That was more important to him uh, during that time period, and and I just don't think that that aspect of it alone. Forget what he's done on the field, but that aspect of it alone would not have allowed it to happen had he been uh, a player that needed to be be compensated with the top. That was great stuff from Andre, and I know you're sitting back listening to this show and you're having a Miller light. That's the way you do it. One of the Texans partners from day one, a championship partner with great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer with great taste delivered by going to MillerLight.com slash buy beer online and find the delivery options near you. That's how you do it. On a Monday, this weekend, boy, that was an incredible weekend, wasn't it? It was really, really good. I relive it all next right here on Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And as I said earlier, it's time to dive into week four in the NFL. Yes. You know what? Let's get my music going. Yeah. Get my music going. Let's rock and roll here on this because the week four was was as good as week three. I don't know. I'm not totally sure about that, but it's never bad. It's never bad. It's always really, really good. And it was good for Justin Fields. Let's start right there with the rookie who yesterday it was his second start. Matt Nagy seemingly doing it uh, grudgingly. But Justin Fields had a secret. A secret some of the league knows. Some of you fantasy players know. A guy by the name of Darnell Mooney. Oh yeah. It got big sexy in here when Justin Fields Found himself some Darnell Mooney on the deck. Fields with time delivers down on the field. And Cobb Mooney still running. And he'll dive down inside the 30. Bobby Price got him. But a big time pass, a 64 yard game for the first round pick. He wasn't done finding his main man, Mooney. Justin Fields found him a little bit later for another big gainer. Here's Fields. Lines up deep. Mooney! Caught inside the five. Justin Fields put the biscuit in the basket. 
And as you would expect, the monsters of the Midway defense got all over Jared Goff. Now, this is a gusgasm, so hold on your hats and try to listen to what exactly happened here. But what I gather is Jared Goff went back to pass. He was sacked. The ball came out. Khalil Mack picked it up. He then lateraled it over to Eddie Jackson, I believe. That's what I kind of gather. You take a listen and you tell me what kind of gusgasm this was. Man coverage. Goff. Did he recognize? Goff hit. Loose. Picked up. Matt flips it. Jackson. Oh, my goodness. The Lions self-inflicted wounds again. Justin Fields finished the day 11 of 17, 209 yards. 125 of those went to his man, Darnell Mooney. David Montgomery ran for 106 yards and two tutties. Jared Goff did throw for a hair under 300 yards, but could only generate 14 points. The Bears moved to 2-2 two two with a 24-14 win over the Detroit Lions. Now, one of the most exciting games of the day took place with the Washington football team and the Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Smith has certainly found a way to use himself some Cordero Patterson and Matt Ryan found him deep early to put the Falcons in front. Looking deep downfield, Matt Ryan finding Cordero Patterson and Patterson's got a touchdown. Ryan to Patterson, 42 yards. And the Falcons have an 9-0 lead. But then the Taylor Heineke show started. It's on, I don't know, volume three or four, but Heineke is getting it done for the Washington football team. Take a listen. Third down and eight. Heineke. Looking for it all. McLaurin in the end zone. He's got it. It's a touchdown. 33 yards. Heineke to McLaurin. And Washington's on the board. That made the score 10-7. A couple scores by Antonio Gibson. Cordell Patterson made it 17-13 Atlanta. To kick off the second half, well, a former Texan was back deep to receive for the Washington football team. And he made personal history. And I'm so happy for my man DeAndre Carter. And here's DeAndre Carter speaking and going on the move. Carter on the move. All the way for his first NFL touchdown. 101 yards for DeAndre Carter. Takes it to the house. And Washington takes the lead. I was always a big fan of DeAndre, the dude, man. He was just an awesome guy. I thought he was a good football player, too. I think he ended up getting a raw deal. I think in a different situation, getting more opportunity, I think he could have done more for this organization. But be that as it may, 101-yarder made it 1917 Washington. However, it would go back and forth and back and forth, and Heineke struck again. To get this thing within two, that man, Terry McLaurin. Heineke off play action. There's Fowler in the backfield. 
Heineke gets away, lobs it in the end zone, and it's caught! It's a touchdown! McLaurin back on the field! And out of the scramble situation, he ends up with six. Washington football team missed that two-point conversion. It was 30-28, to but the football team <laughs> got the ball back a little while later. And this time it was J.D. McKissick going up, up, and up to get in the end zone to give Washington a 34-30 win. Third and seven. Heineke all day to throw. Nobody open. Now McKissick pops free, and he found him. McKissick runs through the tackle, down the sideline. McKissick going airborne. J.D. McKissick soaring to the goal line, and he's out of bounds inside the one. No, it's a touchdown. Wow. The officials confer, and it is six for Washington, and they take the lead. Heineke, the former Texan, Threw for 290 yards and three touchdowns. DeAndre Carter, the former Texan, had a 101-yard kick return. Cordero Patterson, not a former Texan, 34 yards rushing. He led Atlanta. He also led them in receiving, too, with 82 yards. Had three receiving touchdowns. Arthur Smith has found the secret sauce with Cordero Patterson, and it's actually uh, it's kind of fun to watch. He's always been a really good football player. He just never had a position. Now he's got one. It's called football player. But the Washington football team gets to win 34-30. to They go to 2-2. Thir- uh, two two. Atlanta falls to 1-3. and three. All right, let's go down to New Orleans where the Giants were winless. The Saints coming off a big win last week against the New England Patriots. And Daniel Jones came in this one looking deep early. So now the Giants start from their 48, play action, and then Jones goes deep, and the catch is made, and then Ross, it's ruled a touchdown. He crossed the plane before he lost the football. So John Ross, the former Cincinnati Bengal first-round pick in his first game with the Giants on the receiving end of a 52-yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones. If that name, John Ross, sounded familiar, it's because, well, it's the former first-round draft pick, John Ross, who spent some time in Cincinnati and ended up with the Giants. And making his first appearance of the season, 52-yard touchdown gave the G-Men a 7-0 lead. But Juwan Johnson, former Oregon tight end receiver, made it 7-7 with a touchdown catch from Jameis Winston. Then the Swiss Army knife himself, got involved in this one to give New Orleans a 14-7 lead. You may know him as Taysom Hill. I call him, well, Taysom Hill. Second down and one. It's Hill. Taysom Hill picks up the Saints first down, still going. Hill spins to the goal line. He's in, touchdown. Are you kidding me, Kenny? But you heard the John Ross touchdown earlier. He's fast. Also fast is Saquon Barkley. We can just call him by one name. You can just call him Saquon. Down 21-10. Daniel Jones found his guy out in the flat, and Saquon did the rest. This made it 21-18 and got the Giants back in position to win the football game, which they would. Here's Saquon cutting into that lead with a big 54-yard tutty. 
Jones there has first down, wide open, it's Barkley! And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone for a Giants touchdown, 54 yards! The G-Men and Joe Judge get their first win of the year, 1-3, and 27-21 over New Orleans, now 2-2. Two and two. And Saquon Barkley had himself a big day. Two touchdowns. He had the receiving one. He had the rushing one. You had Kenny Galladay on 116 yards. How about Daniel Jones threw for 402 yards? What? Daniel Jones? 402 yards, two tutties. Giants get the win. All right, let's go to Browns and Vikings. Maybe uh, the most boring game of the day, if you will. It's still a one-score game, and it was all about the Browns running game. Nick Chubb, 100 yards on the ground. But he's obviously part of a two-man running back monster. The other one is Kareem Hunt. They need their own 46. It's Hunt. Cutter the block. Believing Hunt. He's got the first down, and he rumbles down the sideline and stops the clock into Viking territory. Hunt goes 14 for 69 and a tutty. Nick Chubb, 100 yards. They ran for 100 84 on the day, and that was the difference because Baker Mayfield didn't do much through the air, but this defense was outstanding. You had Tack McKinley with a sack. Miles Garrett had half a sack. He shared that uh, with Denzel Ward on the blitz. They shut down the Vikings. Literally did absolutely nothing. Dalvin Cook has 34 yards rushing. That's it on nine carries. Justin Jefferson did have 84 yards receiving, but Cleveland moves to 3-1 with a 14-7 win over the 1-3 Minnesota Vikings. Up in Philly, it was a return, a reunion, if you will, for one Andy Reid. He had spent 14 years up in Philly as the head coach, got the Eagles to a Super Bowl back in the 2004 season, and he was returning with arguably the most explosive offense in the league. However, Philly's got some explosiveness of their own. They call him the Slim Reaper. You may know him as Devontae Smith. Great game. 50 seconds to go. Hurts. Deep shot. Hold in, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, a.k.a. the Slim Reaper. Seven catches, 122 yards, doing Big things as a rookie. But the guy's been doing it from the first time he set foot on a field in the last week of 2017, and no one has been able to stop him since. His name is Patrick Mahomes, and he went off. Mahomes off his back foot, sails it deep, and caught by himself, Tyreek Hill. Five touchdowns on the day for Patrick Mahomes. And a monster day for Hill. 186 yards, three scores. That's right, five tutties, 278 yards. Tyreek, 186 yards and three touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if you're a Chiefs fan, this was maybe the best 
thing to happen during the day. He ran for 102 yards. So Pat throws for just under 300, but he has five touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire runs for over 100. Tyreek catches for 186 yards. Wow. 42 to 30. Kansas City moves to 2 and 2. Philly falls to 1 and 3. Jalen Hurts afforded himself very, very well. 387 yards passing, two touchdowns, and he ran eight times for 47 yards. I think Jalen Hurts is starting to lock down that starting position in Philadelphia, which is excellent news on one hand and not so good news on the other, uh, if you know what I mean. All right, let's go down to South Beach where the Colts had a 10-point win over the Miami Dolphins. How'd they do it? Well, like the Colts do with a lot of Jonathan Taylor. Here's Jonathan Taylor breaking free again. Taylor sprinting up the sideline as the defense frantically gets to him finally. But Jonathan Taylor have a big day. 103 yards and a touchdown. And for the Colts, the formula is very simple. Repeat after me. Run the ball in defense, run the ball in defense, run the ball in defense. It's very simple. And they knew on the other side it was Jacoby Brissett. They knew they could get to him. Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins getting a much-needed first down. Mm. Boy, Brissett somehow evades the sack. But the Colts still coming. Brissett football is loose. It's picked up by Darius Leonard. And more disaster for Miami. Felt like the whole day was a disaster for the Miami Dolphins. Brissett throws for 199 yards, but he gave up that fumble that Darius Leonard took back. Carson Wentz threw for two touchdowns. I mentioned Taylor for 103. The Colts, or excuse me, the Dolphins score a couple of fourth-quarter touchdowns to get it within 10, but the Colts controlled this one pretty much throughout 27-17. And the Colts get their first win of the year. Tied with the Texans for second place in the AFC South. And the Dolphins fall to one and three. Let's go to Arlington. Let's go up by 45 to Jerry World, where the undefeated Panthers were taking on the explosive Dallas Cowboys. But early on, the explosiveness was all about the same guy that lit up the Texans, DJ Moore. Go. Darnold over the middle, Moore, good catch, right in stride, first down, turns it upfield, D.J. Moore still going inside the 40. When the game's on the line, you go to your best players, today that's been D.J. Moore. Really the game, Blitz is coming, Darnold delivers, caught for a first down and then some, Zilstra making a move, look at this, there's nobody home, down to the 20 and inside the 15, on fourth and eight, Brandon Zilstra delivers. But unlike Davis Mills, Dak Prescott is not a rookie. The Panthers sent the house at him. Didn't matter. He just picked it apart. Blitz coming. It's picked up. Prescott going for it all for Cooper. He's got it. Touchdown. But the key for the Cowboys this year is, well, yes, Dak is healthy. There's no doubt about that. However, Ezekiel Elliott has come back with a vengeance. 20 carries, 143 yards, and a touchdown. And this was his biggest play of the day. And Elliott, huge hole. Ezekiel Elliott off to the races. Can he get there? Chin knocks him out of bounds inside the 10. 
offensive line is blocking it up. Dax slinging it through four touchdowns. Elliott won. You heard the Cooper touchdown, and Dallas, I say hangs on, but they sort of needed to at the end as the Panthers made a little bit of a run. 36-28, really fun ball game. I watched this one on the plane before we uh, took off. Both teams now 3-1, and one, and the Cowboys are hot. The defense, Trevon Diggs with two picks. Randy Gregory, two sacks. Two ultra-talented players now playing at a very, very high level. All right, let's go to the Meadowlands, where the Titans had to travel to take on the Jets. And Zach Wilson. Yes, Zach Wilson. It was awful. The sky was falling. But they're taking on the team a lot of people think are going to win the AFC South. And what did Wilson do? Eh, he just threw for 297 yards, and he found his dude, Corey Davis, on this one. On the move. A lot of time. Directing traffic. Going to go deep. Has a man deep. It is caught for the touchdown. Corey Davis. That gave the Jets a lead 24-17 with nine minutes left in the game. The Titans would come back and tie it. Ryan Tannehill found Cam Batson for a two-yard touchdown pass, make it 24-24. The Jets' first drive in overtime went down, kicked the 22-yard field goal on the last play of the game. Randy Bullock missed a field goal for the Titans. Jets win! Jets win! J-E-T-S! Jets, Jets, oh, I'm losing my voice. The Jets win, beat the Titans. Jets go to one and three. The sky's not falling. Zach Wilson may actually be the quarterback we all thought he was going to be. What a day. What a day for the Jets. And what a day for the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, man. Went to L.A., took on the Rams in SoFi, and stuck it to them all game long. McVay owned the Cardinals own them. Uh, not after this day because the Cardinals have a lot more players than DeAndre Hopkins now. Here's one. His name is A.J. Green. Four wide receivers for the Cardinals at third and six. Murray has a moment here and fires. Catch made inside the five. A.J. Green with a Cardinal touchdown. And here's another one. His name is Chase Edmonds, the most underrated running back in the league. How risky will they be? Big hole for Chase Edmonds right up the middle of the Rams. And he's still going. Down inside the Ram 45-yard line. All Edmonds did was average 10 yards a carry on 12 carries. I'll do the math for you. That's 12 carries for 120 yards. A.J. Green... Five receptions, 67 yards in that touchdown. Kyler Murray just killing it. 268 yards and two tutties as the Cardinals stay undefeated and knock off the Rams. It's the first time Cliff Kingsbury has beaten the Rams, and he's beaten his pal Sean McVay. It's the first time since McVay took over in 2017, I think. I think 2017. Yeah, 2017 he took over. He's 8-0 against the Cardinals. 8-1, baby. How about that? Them apples. Cliff Kingsbury gets the win. Cardinals win 37-20 and look really good doing it. And at night, I got a chance to finally watch this game uh, this afternoon at lunch. The Bucks took on the Patriots. And it was a fun, fun football game. 
because the Patriots, well, they were doing things like this. To the ground. Oh, razzle-dazzle. Myers, the old high school quarterback, throws. It's Aguilar to the 10-yard line. They also got some help from Mac Jones and Damian Harris on the night. From the 23-yard line. Jones. That's going to be caught. Good game-breaking tackles. Harris all the way out to the 45-yard line. I love the way that Al Michaels says my name, even though it's not me. I just, Harris, I like that. That's kind of cool. But this night was about Tom Brady. First of all, breaking the record, then winning the game. 28 yards more to set the record. Fires caught, and that should do it. Mike Evans will take it to the 15-yard line. They, they actually moved it one yard to the 14 to actually tie the record. So the record now belongs to both Brady and Breed. He would eventually break that record and then break hearts, leading a drive that Ryan Suckup would knock home a field goal and beat the Patriots, Texans' next opponent, 1917, and leave Foxborough with a hug from Bill Belichick and then about a 20-minute conversation in the locker room which, uh, man, would you not have wanted to be a fly on the wall for that? But it just goes to show that relationship, what was played out in public, was nothing like it was in private. Those two men respected and loved each other, and it was pretty obvious. Um, Belichick and Brady, Brady and Belichick, uh, what a team. There'll never be another one like it. And the Bucks moved to 3-1, and one. two straight road games, one on each coast. Now they go home, but 3-1, and one. Patriots fall to 1-3, and three, and that will be who the Texans face next. All right, coming up, let's hear from the general, John McClain, for a little bit. Finishes up on a Monday edition of Texans All Access. Of Texans All Access. Of Texans All Access. Welcome back to this final segment of Texans All Access. And I got to give some props to today's biggest fan, Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors. And as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050, man, that's going to be big. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Dykin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's our good friends from Dykin. A really good friend of ours is John McClain. We caught up with him for a few minutes. However, right now we get the opportunity to speak with the General John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. General, sir, how you doing? Well, I'm still in Buffalo and it's still raining and I'm writing a column <laughs> for tomorrow and I've already put that game in my rearview mirror. I'm all about Mac Jones and Davis Mills and Mills' chance for redemption. And this time last week, it looked like the Texans had a chance to beat the Patriots and then... Mills and the Texans look terrible at Buffalo. And then New England almost beat Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, that almost. was unbelievable. Almost. That was unbelievable last night. And Jones played great. But, you know, failures like Fane, it can be fleeting. If they bounce back and beat the Patriots, then people won't worry about what happened to Buffalo. But uh, right now, they don't look like they can beat anybody. And uh, the defense, I felt bad the defense you think about that second quarter and the field position that the bills had and they only allowed 
one third down conversion and, and, and nothing in the red zone. And then they had the three field goals. But it was amazing that the game was 16-0 at halftime and 19-0 after three quarters considering the way the, the offense played. But I'm curious now to see if the Patriots have a letdown, to see what kind of game plan Bill Belichick comes up with for the Texans' offense based on what he saw against the Bills and see what Lovey Smith can do against Mac Jones, who one point completed 19 consecutive passes. And that's the most Brady's ever completed in a row. This is going to be so weird. My best friend in high school is a guy named Mac Jones. And so now it's like <laughs> i got to face Mac Jones. It's, just, it's very bizarre. All right, Coach McClain, you've got to fix. It. With what you have, you have to fix what's ailing this team to get it ready to tangle with the Patriots on Sunday. What do you do? What's well, the first, first all, thing you do? First of all, I look at the running game and I say, guys, we had 48 yards. Patriots only had minus one. They were the fourth mm-hmm. team since the merger in 1970 to have negative yards rushing. We're going to shut down that running game. And we're going to force that rookie to pass, and we're going to have Lovey's guy get after him. And I don't know what you do about the Texans running game. I've been saying all season, since the preseason, I like to see Scotty Phillips out there. I wouldn't mind seeing more of David Johnson. You know, Johnson and Ingram had a good – Average per carry, they just didn't get enough carries for obvious reasons because they fell so far behind. And with no running game and falling behind at Buffalo, you know, it was a recipe for disaster for a rookie quarterback making his second start. And sometimes we forget Davis Mills has started less than 13 games since high school in Atlanta. And that's, you know, that's just not a lot. Mac Jones has started 21. And uh, it's and, – and that kind of performance is inexcusable, of course. Uh, you'd expect them to play a little bit better. But they got to do something about the running game because a quarter – if Tyrod Taylor, who's got to be on our one more game, if he were playing and the fact that he can run and he mm. can run to the outside, that affects the defensive game plan. You know, they have to worry about Tyrod – going around a corner like he did on that 15-yard touchdown run at Cleveland last play he had. And then uh, earlier, that 29-yard run he had when the, uh, when he couldn't find a receiver. So you have that threat. Appreciate the general, Andre Ware, Mark Vandermeer for being on the show. Appreciate you guys for being here. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. And as always, go Texans.